0: Oh, source for Big Ten talk, Off Tackle Empire! Oh, hey, welcome to Minnesota Week on Off Tackle Empire. Uh, we're talking about everything Big Ten today, and today we, of course, get to the biggest tennis of them all in Minnesota. Uh, I'm uh, Steve Braun alongside with Andrew Koshkeshusen.
1: And if you don't think Flex gonna take us to India, why don't you shove off there, you bender?
0: Oh, yeah, well, anyway, I'm gonna pour myself an Oberon 2018 Cabernet Sauvignon. <laughs> I, I I, had to, I saw, saw it was named Oberon, and I was like, oh, okay, so it's a wine, it has nothing to do with the Bells Brew, but anyway, uh, we're I digress. My point is, we're talking about Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota, where they say "bag" the way that people from Texas say "leg." Big. They rhyme. So, <laughs> yeah, man, you, you you play hacky sack, which means that you want to to bounce that bag off of your leg.
1: I'm still, uh, upon some reflection, I'm still giving the
0: reflection. Well, uh, yeah. uh, uh. So the, oh.
1: jokes, the jokes are funnier if you point them out so <laughs> upon some pj reflection i am still going to award the most inscrutable covid season in the conference to penn state but at, minnesota's pretty close they were right there they were a serious contender for that award And so you can look at this either as a glass half-empty or a glass half-full situation, right? On I'm sorry,
0: a bag of milk half-empty or a bag of milk half-full situation.
1: You're going to have to get all that out, and you're going to have to do it soon, man. I don't know. It's been a long day. I only have so much. I can only give so much. Uh, So, on the one hand, it's very encouraging that the offense, and in particular the run game, more so the run game, was able to continue rolling. Um, even without Tyler Johnson and Rodney Smith and Shannon Brooks. So you had Mo Ibrahim as by far the best running back in the conference. Um, Rashad Bateman was a huge threat at wide receiver until he then you know opted out back half of the season. And then the passing game kind of fell off considerably after that. But the run game was still potent for most of the season, even with big flux in the offensive linemen. They had two starting linemen out. Um, I know Falele opted out. I don't remember if Dunlap opted out or if he was injured or what, but two guys who they projected as starters from a good offensive line the year before who were out, they find replacements. Things are still going well. I think they had a couple more injuries as the season went on, but still the offensive line play and the run game in particular was excellent. Um, Iver- and I, I
0: respect what PJ Fleck did, which is what any of us would do in, you know, a, a video game season where we lost a game early, we're out of title contention. All right, who's the highest overall on our team that's definitely going to be there? It's uh, running back. Let's get that guy some numbers. <laughs> For
1: sure. Uh, maybe if you were to prorate his production over a full season, you'd be talking about him you know, in the company of your Melvin Gordons, your Lorenzo's White. You know, it would have been an all-time type of season if he had been able to protract that over a full schedule. So they then get the somewhat surprising decision from, again, draft-eligible Mo Ibrahim to come back. So they have him as a centerpiece. Their offensive line is going to be good. They now have a little bit of a good problem to have, which is they've got like seven or eight guys they can be confident are really good starters, but you only play five. I just want to say
0: I'm glad – for Minnesota fans, I guess they got to be kind of glad that that De Ibrahim is coming back. But man, even as a even when it, it's my team, I always I always feel bad when especially a running back with NFL draft stock comes back because it's like, oh, man, you're a running back. So yeah, You know,
1: best of luck to him. Exactly. And it's like even if he doesn't get hurt and hopefully he doesn't it's still a case where every carry he gets teams are going to view as a knock against him. It's like, Oh man, he's burned all the, he's burned all the rubber on his tie. And by tires, we mean his ligaments he's done. He's, he's, he's used up carries on his finite fragile human body that we can't exploit. So why would we draft this? Yeah. So
0: to point this back in the direction that it was going, you'd hope that they could find a little bit more diversity in their offensive attack this year.
1: Yeah, and they they have a couple of options. I mean, they had, um, they had Potts, they had Wiley guys that they mixed in a little bit, but it was still clearly Mo Ibrahim's um, running game to carry, and that's probably going to be the case again this year. Rashad Bateman goes off to the pros. I, was he drafted by the Ravens? Um, but anyway, draft, drafted pretty high up. I think either first or second round. And so now the passing game, they're going to need Chris Ottman Bell to go from being basically deep threat opposite Bateman to being the number one guy. Um, They had a few moments last season from Daniel Jackson, who kind of looks like maybe the next guy they could get something out of. Um, They have a transfer from Texas A&M, Dylan Wright, who should help them with depth there. But... It's really fair to say that, especially once Rashad Bateman was out, the passing game did suffer somewhat. Again, first year with a new OC, maybe you expect that.
0: Yeah, of course, Mike Sanford uh, Jr., they they only got they only got son. They didn't actually get Sanford and son. But uh, Ottman Bell did not – I mean, Ottman Bell seems like the kind of guy that you would like to have somebody to take the attention off of because while he's definitely one of the better receivers in the conference – clearly not a Bateman or Tyler Johnson caliber receiver where they can get, where he can get a lot of numbers when people know he's the top option and he's yeah, clearly and, what you're focusing on.
1: And it it is true that he was kind of thrust into that role somewhat abruptly when Bateman just stopped playing. And before that he hadn't been accustomed to the volume. Maybe he's able to step into it the same way that Bateman did after being kind of the one B to Tyler Johnson. The but I'm just player.
0: judging on what I've seen so far.
1: Yeah, again, that's – but there's – again, with P.J. Flex's personal history as a receiver and the way they've found some effective guys the last couple seasons, you'd think you could be optimistic about the odds of that happening. And well, then, I
0: believe that he worked as the Northern Illinois wide receivers coach for one day. So talk about an explosive first step. Talk about getting into and out of your breaks fast. I mean, I don't know that anybody's ever been more explosive with a cutback as he was with that one.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Positively, it's like George Riley. Um, So the defense, however, was something of a less qualified mess. And we talked about this at length over the course of the season, that this was going to be the year where they basically paid for the recruiting chasm at the end of the Clays era in the secondary and the linebacking group. And that played out on the field. Um, This year they do get Braylon Oliver back from an ACL tear They brought in a couple of transfers. They've got um, Jack Gibbons coming in from Abilene Christian at linebacker who could factor into the rotation. And then they brought in a couple of power five transfers on the front. Um, Niles Pinkney is a tackle from Clemson who is probably going to make a name for himself as well as Val Martin from NC State to try to give them a little bit of juice in the front because last year um, the pass rush really was not there. The discipline and coverage, especially in the linebacking group was was tough uh, Boya Mafe was an interesting player, but not really a pass rusher in and of himself, so they need to find some additional guys that can get home. Um, yeah,
0: you'd hope, or even if not, can yeah. deflect enough uh, attention from Mafe so that he can get home more often so they can play the Flavor Flav sound soundbite when he does.
1: Yeah, and so if we're to then look a little bit at what you might get out of the Recruiting class, they do have some decent prospects coming in. We mentioned the transfers. They brought in a couple of transfer kickers because their special games were a little bit of a mess last year. Um, so they, they have uh, Will Mobley from Temple and Matt Trickett from Kent State coming in to uh, joust for the kicking position. And then looking at their prep recruiting class, um, Probably the future of their quarterback position, Ethan kaliak um, hey, an Illinois prospect. How about that? Not likely to figure into the game plan this year with Tanner Morgan coming back. You could see Steven Ortiz get into the mix in the defensive backfield as well. But again, they they have experience coming back there. It's just the experience didn't play especially well. And then we talked also about the need to find a complement for Mo Ibrahim. Um, they do have a four-star tailback and Marquise Irving who could figure in an and play right away as well.
0: So when you look at their schedule, um, well, the first thing that you notice is that they have Colorado. And when you look at Colorado as a non-conference, um, you can say about as much as you can about Minnesota last year, which is I have no idea what any of these results mean.
1: So that's the first thing you notice about their schedule, huh?
0: Well, I mean, you know,
1: <laughs> Aside from the first that, interesting is, thing. Aside from that, Mr. Fleck, how is the play? Yes. Yeah. So, so we, we referenced here, of course, that they have the honor of being the um, season opening sacrificial virgin before the altar of Ohio State in the Thursday night game uh, leading into the first big weekend of the football season. Uh, hey, you'll to play on primetime. Yeah. <laughs> Fun you know, it, it is day.
0: very considerate that they do it on a Thursday so that they don't make a lot of Minnesotans uh, perfectly nice people waste their entire Saturday on this.
1: Oh, you wouldn't want them to stay up late. Then you'd be late for church down with there with the Lutheran congregation. Oh, I can
0: uh, uh, think of all the leaves we could rake if we had if we had a whole Saturday.
1: Fuck me. The leaves really fall <laughs> by Labor Day in Minnesota. I know it's further north, but geez. <laughs> so... They're all going to open what? up
0: with a loss, and then they travel. No, they're not. They they travel back to the same place that they hosted Ohio State at to get Miami of Ohio. They travel to Colorado. Which...
1: Yeah, you meant so Colorado is the interesting non conference game um, with it, it's in a max sandwich there. Miami of Ohio before and Bowling Green after. Those should both be pretty easy wins. So Colorado, as as we mentioned in the in the Maryland preview, talking about their matchup with West Virginia, this is more the non conference. Type of game that you you want at least one of these i think having a couple of sacrifices in here is fine i think go ahead and go ahead and get yourself a couple of wins and establish your backups and all that but you want at least one test like this against a, a team roughly in your own weight class you know maybe by the time the game actually happens when versus when you schedule it you might be better they might be better but you can expect a competitive game and give you something of an idea of what you need to work on so We mentioned Ohio State, of course, is one of their crossovers. Others, um, in kind of the middle of the season, they're going to host Maryland, and then towards the end of the year, they travel to Indiana. Probably one of the tougher crossover slates you could have for Minnesota And that you get Ohio State and Indiana. How long has it been since we were able to say that about a Big Ten West team where Indiana is one of the tougher crossovers you could draw?
0: Yeah, that was usually a a hopeful one. Um, That being said, the Maryland one is a – well, you could say a bit of a gift, but it kind of depends on how well that secondary is holding up by that time, doesn't it? It depends on, I guess, um, we'll, we, we'll know a lot more by October about the Maryland game than we
1: know right now. Yeah, I, I think that's fair to say. On On paper, looking at it now, if you, do, if you read the tea leaves from last year and where these teams' relative weaknesses are, if you're a Minnesota fan, you've got to be looking forward to see Ibrahim in this offensive line go against what was a terrible run defense for Maryland. If you're a Maryland fan, you're looking at Minnesota's past defense and thinking we're going to make some hay. So that, I mean, look, if the, if these two teams profiles resemble what they did last year, you could have a shootout in that game. Uh, before we get there though, the Gophers will open divisional play with a trip to Purdue. Um probably an interesting game i would i would expect minnesota to be favored in that one based on where we are now but again long ways away and we'll be a month into the season so we'll have a better idea then um by minnesota fans are gonna
0: be favored. mad at you for that one yeah well uh, <laughs> that still sounded like it gave jeff brom just a little too much credit in relation to pj fleck
1: yeah well again i we mentioned this in a previous episode but I saw some bowl projections today, and we know that bowl projections made in early to mid-June tend to be the most accurate. Uh, according to national media outlets, Minnesota could be making another trip to a very familiar bowl site for that program right down the road from us here at the Quick Lane Bowl at Ford Field. So looking forward to seeing you, Gophers. We'll broadcast live from there again this year. Once they they again, I mean, for the first time. We could definitely, de- definitely trick them into giving us pass- press passes, I'm sure of it.
0: And let's get the oh,
1: MAC title game first, though. Yeah, so early divisional matchup with Purdue, followed by a bye, and then those back-to-back home games, Nebraska and Maryland, feel like that's going to determine whether they're a realistic division contender or not. Um, Halloween weekend trip to Northwestern, and then in November, they host Illinois, road trips to Iowa and Indiana, and finish up at home for the Axe.
0: So after Ohio State... There's a stretch of six to eight games that they absolutely could win. I of course say eight because Northwestern anybody could win. Um, it's just a matter of whether or not you you do. Um, but there's not really anything that you see and say like that's a definite loss.
1: No, there's there's not. They. It's it's kind of an interesting thing here because after that Ohio State game. I don't think it's too much of a stretch to imagine they could win the next eight in a row. Uh, They could very well go into that trip to Iowa, having not lost since the Ohio state
0: game. Yeah. Of course, then their schedule gets very stiff in a hurry.
1: Right. And that's, you know, we've, we've meant Minnesota is not the only team we said this about in the past where they get to the end of the season, they have their destiny in their hands and they oh that there it goes there. It's just right. Just right in the gutter there. So We'll see how it goes, but again, we it, it sets up in such a way that if they figure out the back end of their defense at all, they should have control of their own destiny going into November when they play their their two primary rivals and their most meaningful games. So. Well,
0: there's another meaningful game right before that, which is probably about the most fun Minnesota fans will ever have wailing on a hapless Illini squad. <laughs> Coached by Brett Bielema. Oh, I guess that's, that's yeah. going to be cathartic. No, you, you you don't think so. But come on, man, that's going to be cathartic for them. Ask yeah. Ben about it now. Even if he denies it, you know, he's going to be loving it.
1: I don't think he'll deny it. I don't think he would deny it. I think he would be very. No, nope, uh, nope.
0: very... that's about the most fun anyone will ever have beating up on a hapless Illini squad. At least Minnesota.
1: I want I wonder. I guess we'll see. Eh, I'll be interested to see how Fleck approaches. Like, it's an angle I hadn't considered. That'll be interesting. Well, because
0: uh, Fleck never played Belama.
1: Yeah, I know. That's why I'm saying, like, I, I don't know that he's going to care necessarily. But
0: Fleck but has, I don't know, He, he has kind has of a, adopted some of Minnesota, although not as much as Minnesota has adopted of him.
1: Yeah, and he does seem to have a, a couple fingers on the pulse of what makes that fan base tick. So, you could be right. I, that's it's an It's an angle I hadn't considered, but yeah, I wouldn't look forward to that one if I was Illinois, especially if you don't sort out your own defense.
0: Well, I mean, I'm not looking forward to very many games. Um, pretty much ever for the rest of my life. Eat at Arby's. So, uh, speaking of not looking forward to any games ever, um, Minnesota basketball.
1: Who boy. Um, you know, it. it was
0: very, very late in the season, and I still thought there was a chance that uh, that – Lil Dicky Patino was going to finally unleash his inner Peter Gibbons and do just enough not to get fired.
1: <laughs> I thought you so. I was thinking more like, I see he's gonna smuggle off his equipment out and destroy them. <laughs> so it, it was a strange season for them. Early on, they actually looked pretty good for a very long time. They were the only team that solved Michigan, but they so. They were fortunate to get such a massive contribution from Liam, Rob- Liam Robbins right away. The problem is, when he got hurt, they were right back to where they were last year, which was, which was not having anybody with it. Well, when I say last year, I mean, in the post-Oturu roster they had, which was no interior presence whatsoever. Um, Gabe Kalshauer had a rough season. He got hurt as well. Marcus Carr was obliged to carry them on his own later down the stretch and really couldn't do it so and
0: so ultimately the effects of this was I believe they lost every single road game.
1: hmm I don't know I'm getting you could be right let me take a look at that I'm now you have me curious
0: well all of their big wins were at home
1: yeah but so regardless of what happens there they they fire. They fire Richard Pitino, and until we until we came back and started, I started going over. I had completely forgotten that they had made this hire, because I'm still months later sitting here, just absolutely shaking my head at at what the thought process is for the athletic department here. So they they fire Richard Pitino like we we this is unsuccessful. We cannot have this continue. Here is your buyout. Please go away. Who should we hire to replace the guy that we've just fired? Well, let's see. We we want to distance ourselves from what just happened enough that we're paying a guy millions of dollars not to coach here. What direction best to go in? Hey, what about that guy who used to coach for the guy we just fired? Should we call him? Yeah, let's give him a call.
0: Confirming, though, the only game away from home that they won was a first-rounder against Northwestern in the Big Ten tournament.
1: I'm going to wave. I'm, gonna, I'm just... Again, this is not a visual, but I've got the tiniest little invisible Minnesota flag and I'm waving it at this at that tremendous success. So they hire Ben Johnson to replace him. I don't I don't know what the plan was here. (laughs) Was the plan perhaps thinking that, look, we're not that far away from a roster standpoint and we want to minimize the turnover because if that was the case uh that's a mission failure there hq so here's the list of guys who are out um marcus carr gabe kalshauer he's going to iowa state um trey williams jamal mashburn jr who is following richard Bettino to new mexico um david Mutov, who's going back to turkey liam robbins who's off to vanderbilt um backup center sam freeman I meant to check on this. I haven't. Um, Brandon Johnson, the transfer from Western Michigan, who was a pretty good power forward for them, has not decided what he's doing yet. It seemed as though he was kind of leaning towards coming back. Um, here are the guys who are transferring in. Um, small forward, Jameson Battle from George Washington. I always I- like
0: people named Battle. Not just in a line, I think. Just a great name. Battle. Okay.
1: okay. Cowboy guard Luke Lowe from William and Mary. Cowboy guard Sean Sutherland from New Hampshire. Uh, Another wing, Parker Fox from Northern State. Point guard EJ Stevenson. Northern State. And in perhaps the most ridiculous transfer story of the basketball offseason, Peyton Willis of Charleston. And if that name sounds familiar, this is indeed this same Peyton Willis who transferred away from Minnesota before last season and is now coming back. I don't know, man. So in addition to those to that group of transfers, you might have Brandon Johnson coming back. Here are the players from last season who we know for sure are going to return. Um, small forward booth Gock, power forward Isaiah Innan, and then their one incoming prep recruit, Trayton Thompson, um, number one twenty-two nationally.
0: I uh, like Isaiah Innan because his name sounds like what you shout when you let a three pointer go
1: Inn in. <laughs>
0: um, but I mean I think the only thing they could have reasonably been thinking when they hired uh, when they hired Johnson was that perhaps they thought even less than we did of Michigan hiring Juwan Howard and then saw how it worked out and they were like, well, I guess the weirder we go, the better it'll be. So let's let's go uh, let's go this way. I, I I don't know. I mean, I'm
1: hold on, hold on, hold on, <laughs> though, because it maybe I'm only speaking for myself here, but I didn't think. That the Juwan Howard hire was a bad idea because it made no sense. I mean, in some ways, it made perfect sense because yeah. that's an athletic department that values me- its membership in its own ranks beyond anything else. Um, so, him being an alum connected to a beloved pro- period in their program history is very important. He was a longtime player in the NBA and he was part of a pro organization that is very well respected in their culture and leadership development aspect if that makes any sense um so well, then minnesota I, was I doing the same thing because, because the guy had never coached before
0: minnesota was doing the same thing by harkening back to like you know a couple of times that they kind of surprised people by making it to the second round talk about glory days baby
1: i but so I, I, he i mean ben johnson played at minnesota but he played there in the early aughts like i the, it's not like oh they were are like...
0: you talking about the post-death penalty years
1: yeah yikes yeah so yes he he played at at minnesota at one point but i don't I, the only the, the best angle that if you're the best angle here is that he was on the staff and prominently involved when Patino had recruiting successes out of the state of Minnesota. Um, He was involved in recruiting Amir coffee and in recruiting um, Daniel Oturu. So I guess the objective in hiring him is, well, he's going to help us lock down recruiting in the state of Minnesota. Okay. We'll, we'll see how that goes. I don't know if an assistant head coach at Xavier was the only guy capable of doing that, but that's gotta be the angle. I mean, I just um,
0: can't help but come back to this—the fact that the head coach at Xavier should not have been untouchable, and also it seems like maybe they should have reached out to him. Yeah, right. Like,
1: otherwise, what they're... about the head
0: coach? Did they think that Johnson was the engine that made Chris Mack go? Like, <laughs> did they think that he was the Chris Peterson to uh, to their? Oh my God, I can't remember the guy, but the Division One football guy. Uh, Dan Hawkins. Dan
1: Hawkins, yeah. Yes. Wow. Did
0: he think that Johnson was the Chris Peterson to the Dan Hawkins, the Matt Campbell to the Tim Beckman of Chris
1: Mack? It'd be really weird to think that because it's it it's, would. Not like, it's not like Chris Mack built Xavier <laughs> from the ground up, you know? So um, I, I don't know, man. I, ju- I just don't know. Um, of course, he is... There probably aren't many other Big Ten coaches who have who played basketball for two Big Ten schools. So that would be kind of, that's kind of an interesting angle. Maybe fire up a little bit of a rivalry with Northwestern for that reason. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, oh, I don't yeah. Well,
0: I mean, they're both about to need some rivals.
1: Yeah. Uh, again, Like I said, all I can all I can gather here is that
0: if Nebraska like leaves who... the basement, what's going to be left for Minnesota and Northwestern?
1: hard to say well each other of of those three teams this year i would by far feel the best about nebraska's prospects to be good then the the
0: first thing you need is talent
1: yeah and they've got they've got more than minnesota northwestern combined Talent
0: doesn't guarantee you wins but you've got the kind of talent that they've got you're not gonna go four and 16 in the big 10 it's just not gonna happen
1: yeah i just um Again, this is this is a forty-year-old making his first head coaching job. The hope is that you're you're swinging for the fences here. This is you know what this is this this much like the Juwan Howard hire, and to an extent, the Mike Woodson hire. They'll not really um, same thing with Jim Harbaugh hiring a whole bunch of thirty-somethings on his coaching staff.
0: Yeah, that's the one. This reminds me of more.
1: This is this is because all these sports, all these all the guys making these decisions. And these f departments and the head coaches on these coaching staffs are all baseball fans. And so still watching the game that they love, they have fallen in love with the three true outcomes. And they are banking on hires like this being a home run. And if it's a strikeout, well, that's fine. Pay him his buyout and swing through the fences again until you get until you get one. So are saying what you still- don't want
0: is to do Richard Pitino again.
1: Yeah, they don't. They don't want to be in the middle where it's like, "Well, can we really justify firing him because he's doing okay?" Um, no, I, I, I bet, and I, you know, they probably would never put it in these terms. Maybe they don't even realize they're doing it. But I think some of these athletic departments are now of the mindset that, yeah, you know what, I, we don't want to. We don't want there to be any doubt. I want this decision to be easy in three or four years when I have to decide whether to extend this guy. I want to know whether he's completely in over his head or whether I hit a home run and get to watch him strut around the bases. And what I don't know is if
0: our commenter bagels are for champions is a regular listener of this podcast, because he would be delighted with this outcome where it's like, if after three years, you're not competing for championships, get out of here. Don't even we'll send you your shit. Right. (laughs) He's basically been pounding the door to get rid of D'Antonio since like 2016. 16.
1: So, I mean, he might have been a little bit early, but he wasn't wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, fair enough. Uh, You know, but you know what that is, is that's, that's really the perspective of a pro fan where everything is equal. And if your organization just makes the right choices, things are going to work out for you. Like that's not really the case in college. Uh, But I can understand that perspective because it certainly is the way in pro sports where, Look, really, in, in almost any sport, if you're not making tangible progress within a few years, there's no reason to keep a guy around. Like there are people out there who can engineer a turnaround more quickly. And I'm I'm now addressing this commentary at the headquarters of the Detroit Tigers who are in year six of a rebuild with zero position players who are going to be part of a World Series team. So anyway. Everyone nothing. Um, Ben Johnson, weird hire, swinging for the fences. Might as well, I guess. Seems like they are more likely pitches to swing at that might have been easier to get a hold of. But this analogy is very strange. So Minnesota basketball, probably going to be super bad this year. After that, who knows? We'll see how the recruiting goes.
0: Your source for Big Ten talk. It's off tackle. Empire!